Our reading for today comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 through 10. If I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the, of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How are we doing today? That was non-committal, if I've ever heard non-committal. <laughs> good, good, good. I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. It's Sunday. Um, we are continuing our, our series on grace. And, uh, but before I get into that, let's, let's talk about this. Um, I love a good underdog story. Not the, like, cartoon from the early 80s or whatever, but, you know, just generally the concept of an underdog. I think everybody likes an underdog story. Think about a, think about a heroic book or movie that you've enjoyed. It's almost always the tale of some nobody or a band of nobodies who have the heart and the grit and maybe a bit of good fortune to stand up to the big bad guy. After all, if the enemy isn't daunting and intimidating, then it doesn't feel very heroic. We want to see the hobbits beat an army of orcs somehow. By we, I mean me. <laughs> we want to see the mighty ducks beat those smug Icelandic kids at hockey. Right? We want to see Aaron Brockovich beat the giant polluting corporation fair and square in court. Nobody wants to watch Mission Probable, right? It's Mission Impossible. Everybody loves a good underdog story. But how many of us want to be the underdog? You know, stories are all well and good but there's no real stakes in them. If I watch a movie, I can be reasonably sure that all the actors are fine, right? No matter what happens on screen. And you know, at least most of the time, that the good guys, no matter how outmatched they may seem, they will, yeah, they're going to win. They're going to come out on top. But in the real world, losing has real stakes. Failure has real consequences. And there's no guarantee that you're coming out on top, even if you're the good guy. So in the real world, you have to be discerning. You have to 
pick your battles wisely. You got to play to your strengths. You got to know your limitations. I think we've learned that lesson well, especially in the church. We don't want to make mistakes. We don't want to offend. With this beautifully diverse body of Christ, with its mix of personalities and talents, it's best to let somebody who is gifted at something do it. And we can stick to what we're good at. I see some of y'all shifting in your seats because you know this is a trap. (laughs) Right? Before I get into that, I got to tell you, my experience is a lot of us, while I might have that mindset, we can't even name what our primary spiritual gifts are. So it's like if you're going to leave it to the other people and then you're going to do what you're good at, what are you good at? Do you know? I think many of us, maybe we don't know what we're good at, but we know what we're not comfortable with, and we're definitely not doing that. I'll tell you something. You know who else likes underdog stories? God does. I mean, when people will talk about underdog stories, they'll, they'll literally refer to it as like, David and Goliath, where does that come from? I I think we've lost a lot of boldness and courage that we're supposed to have because we don't appreciate this aspect of God. We get really focused on what we think we can't do rather than focused on what God can do. So I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians I know 2 Corinthians is our reading for today. We're going to get there. But I want to read you first from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says this, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. If you're reading this letter, you're like, ouch, dude, back off. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world and even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. It's a beautiful sentiment. A little uncomfortable when you have to identify as the foolish and the weak. But the whole point is to amplify God's wisdom and strength. I know there's a number of us today who are afraid to talk about our faith with people outside the church. I even know that there's some folks probably here today who are afraid to talk about their faith with people in the church. I know there's some of us here who are afraid to pray with someone who's going through hard times. I know there's some of us who are afraid to help somebody who's in need. In short, I think we have a sense of what the church should be doing. But many of us are afraid to be the one to actually do it 
because we don't think we can. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about grace. And and we talked about being called by God's grace and being saved by God's grace. And I think for us, especially in in our church tradition, we're very comfortable thinking about the power of grace for salvation. But many of us forget about the power of grace for daily living. Last week, we read that we are saved by grace apart from works. But there was that verse at the end I read. I sort of teased this last week, right? We're saved apart from our works, but you were created for good works that God prepared for you in advance. So today we're going to put that all together. You're not only saved by grace, but you get to live in grace. But what does that mean? To live in grace. Living in grace means, among other things, that we can let go of fear of failure. We can let go of fear of not being gifted enough. We can embrace being the underdog because because I said an untrue thing earlier. I said in this world, in the real world, you can't be sure that you'll come out on top or that everything will work out in the end. But you know what? Actually, as a Christian, that's exactly the message of the gospel, that in the end, everything will be okay. In our reading today from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul shares with us a little story about an unanswered prayer. That's not really accurate either. He shares with us a story of asking God and God saying, no. Paul was struggling with some kind of problem, and he's not specific enough that we know for sure. Scholars have their guesses, and it's fine, but if it mattered that much, it would be in there. The point is, it's a problem, and it was getting in the way of his ministry, you know? So he's... He presents God with what's a very sensible request. He's like, God, this thing is holding me back from serving you in the way I want to. Could you just take this problem away? It seems like an easy yes for God. Yes, Paul, you're doing great. I want more of that. I'll take away this thing and you can just be more Paul. But but God didn't say yes. God said, no. No. My grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. If God chooses the weak to shame the strong, if God, if his power is made perfect in our weakness, maybe being weak is no reason not to try. Maybe, Maybe your weakness is an asset. Like, do you think that your particular brand of weakness is unusable by God? If, as we read last week, God has prepared for you in advance a lifetime of good works, do you think he prepared those for you so that you could just fail at them all? 
I think just like Paul, we need to learn to trust God and step out in our weakness. That, that moment when you're thinking you wish someone could help, that's probably the moment you should help. Even if you think you're the wrong person for the job. If there's something that you know the church should be doing, give it a try because you are the church. That doesn't mean you're going to do it perfectly. It doesn't mean you'll get the results you hoped for. It doesn't mean you'll feel cool when you do it. But that's one of the ways that living in grace empowers you. You know, let's just suppose that it does go badly. Let's just suppose that you mess it up. Don't you think God will forgive you? Earlier in church, we prayed asking God to forgive us for all the sins we've done. I think that includes things like acting selfishly or angrily, doing things out of character with, with being a Christian. Right? He forgives you for that, right? If he'll forgive you for that, don't you think he'd forgive you for trying to do something good and messing it up? That seems like an easier ask, right? But also... Maybe imperfect in execution, maybe unpolished or awkward is the right tool for the job. You know, there's plenty of people out there who have their cynicism detectors calibrated pretty tightly. And they're sick of people who are slick and confident and churchy sounding. People, look, I'm, I'm doing what I can to share the gospel, but there's people that I can't reach. This is my job, and that already turns them off, okay? But then if they hear someone speaking with an unpolished deliver, delivery, but it's sincere, maybe it's stumbling and awkward, but they can tell you mean it, they might be a lot more open to that. What I'm saying is living in grace means it's okay for you, specifically you, to try, to just try. Jesus already loves you. Jesus already saved you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if that's true, then why are we afraid to try? Are you nervous about talking to your neighbors about Jesus? Maybe that's good. Maybe a nervous neighbor is the right person for the job. Are you scared to offer to pray with your coworker? Maybe you're the right person. God's grace is sufficient for you because his power is made perfect in your weakness. Let's pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we, thanks, we thank you that our relationship to you begins and ends with grace. And we thank you for this lifetime of good works that you've prepared for us. And Lord, first off, um, we repent that we missed some opportunities because 
to be honest, we were focused on ourselves more than you. Lord, I pray for a fresh boldness today for us to to be empowered by your grace, to go out there and just, just try to do what you're calling us to do. Lord, we know that forgiveness waits for us when we, when we make mistakes. And we also know, Lord, that you can do more through us than we can do under our own power. So, Lord, I pray today for a spirit of willingness in, a, a, in hearts that trust in your grace so that our lives can be characterized by boldness and joy instead of fear. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us, but most especially we thank you for Jesus Christ, whose grace is sufficient for us and in whose name we pray. Amen.